and welcome to our next episode of To Lovecraft and Back. We are going to be talking about the wonderful, amazing episode, Holy Ghost, which is one of my favorite. I am, of course, the amazing, talented, everything, Aaron M., and we have our great... You keep saying great. I'm just good. Yes. yes oh, um, you have Michael. You know, I'm the AKA the odd geek because I like a lot of things. You know, I'm a geek. I was playing. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited because we have not been behind the mic in a minute. So, like, I'm super right. excited. Um, I just watched both of these episodes today. So, I'm like super excited to talk about Holy Ghost really quick and, you know, get into it. So, you want to start us off, sir? Oh, yeah. I so basically uh, for everybody, you know, who's listening. Episode three is about um, Letty and her, trying to mend uh, her relationship with her sister, Ruby, as she gets a Victorian house in Chicago. And uh, a lot of people aren't happy, including some ghosts, which go into the title. And it also leads, um, it also kind of, you know, leaves some seeds for later episodes that we're going to get into later. But I'm going to start off with what I really love about this episode is that uh, we have this backstory of this, uh, this doctor of the house that, you know, previous of the owner who previously owned the house uh, that was given to Letty you know, through some very shady circumstances. Uh, He basically was a serial killer uh, murdering all these, you know, black individuals. And it also is implied that he'd experiment on. And what, for me, what was interesting is that that is straight out of reality because there was a woman in New Orleans. uh, She died in about 1849, I believe. Her name was Madame Blanc. And she was known for, she was a socialite. She was known for basically doing the exact same thing Mm. that uh, Dr. Epstein in this episode was doing. Just an awful, awful, you know, awful stuff. And that's, you know, the beauty of what this show is, like we've spoken before, is that this is all rooted in reality. You know, even though we have this very supernatural thing. Yeah. um, I love the fact that they can, you know, take little pieces of things like that and bring it to the forefront with this show and bring it to life. And, you know, hearing about this creepy doctor, it's just crazy because he was really like doing this to making these experiments and doing these experiments and testing these experiments on black people. So and Letty finds out that, you know, previously owner of this house was the doctor and you know he did all these things so to have that happen and then now her being in that house and these he's trying to get her out i think this was a perfect ghost story i mean for her to have to you know research and figure out what was in this house beforehand and find out you know i think that was just hand in hand with her character development because she's dealing with a lot especially Moving into this house, and when they first moved into this house, um, you know, they're moving into a white neighborhood on the north side of Chicago. And her goal with this is being able to make this a safe haven for black natives in Chicago and other artists. I saw some photographers in there, and I think it was some writers and things like that in the house that live with her. So she wants to be able to, you know, give this and make this a safe haven. But when she shows uh, Ruby that house, it's creepy. 
it looks very, very decrepit, very, very haunted. And I could tell from just looking at the house on the outside, I was just like, okay, yeah, there's some ghosts in that house. Like, right. got to be some ghosts in that house. But that doesn't stop her from doing what she wants to do. I mean, she, you know, renovates the house and everything. But moving into this neighborhood, it comes to, it comes with a price. And I, I think the next topic that we can talk about is her moving into this neighborhood and moving into this house is that the fact that they are not welcome in this neighborhood. I mean, soon as they got there and when they're getting, you know, settled and everything and a couple of days after the fact, you have three young white men standing outside. You have this loud honking of the horn because they have put this brick onto the horn and taped it down. And, they're just looking like, yeah, we don't want you in this neighborhood. But that doesn't stop them. You know, they continue to go on what they got going on. And, you know, Letty throws this big housewoman party. And I think that's what it was, is that, you know, no matter what, I know you don't want me here, but I'm still going to be here. I have a right to be here. You're not going to take this away from me. This is my house. This is my territory. You're not going to run me out of this neighborhood. So that's what, for me, it helps me It helps me understand her cares to develop and building she is she's a strong independent black woman she's going to fight for what she wants so just picking back on what you're saying yeah definitely um what going off of that what i really love about this episode is that this is her episode you know this is not like we still get tick and we still get you know the whole uh plot that was already established but this is really getting to know letty you know, we even get to, you know, have a little more insight of her relationship with her sister Ruby. Mm-hmm. And we get, you know, basically with that party, that house party, we get, you know, all these different characters that, you know, some are going to show back up, obviously, later. But just kind of rewatching this, you know, with, with the set of eyes that I have now, you know, I can really appreciate what this was already, you know, trying to do and establish. It's like it shows even in the face of adversity, Letty does not. You know, she doesn't flinch, even though she still, you know, obviously is, you know, cautious and she cares about the people around her. She doesn't flinch because those, you know, those white guys with the um, with the uh, bricks on their horns, okay. like later, as soon as the moment, I think, you know, we get into this much, much later. But the moment they plot this, you know, burning cross in her yard and mm-hmm. she's like, okay, I'll grab this bat. Know. You know, it's, it's, that is iconic. And with the music, like it just, that's her character. Yeah. Um, I also really like that we got an insight into, you know, who she is because halfway through when she's talking to Tick, you know, she, they basically make love or they're about to make love. And, you know, it's like, she's a flirt, you know, that's what she appears as, but we know better, you know, she's, you know, there's layers to this character that just haven't been touched on, you know, and you just kind of seeing where she was episode one to now, it's like, we're getting a lot more, such you a know, big dynamic between episode one yeah. and now. Like the development between one, two, and now is just amazing. Like you see her climbing up the ladder of right. her character development. And I'm glad you said something about, you know, the relationship because that goes right back to the house party just because well, first it goes to the opening scene with her being in a church and you know, her, you know, doc digesting everything that happened in episode one and episode two and then being right there at Georgia's funeral, you can see her digesting herself and everything that she's like processing. Um, 
I know I was reading an uh, article about this episode, and one big word that it kept saying with her was resurrection. With her dying in episode two, and then Brian brought back, and she having when she was at in the bathroom, and she was having it like not. I guess you can say it was a panic attack, but her realizing that she had just died and then she had came back. This is like her resurrection episode. You know, she's been reborn. She's in this whole new light and this whole new character. She's done bought this house. You, she got these people that want want her in this house, but she don't care. She threw yeah. a big old party, a housewoman party. Exactly. You know, serving drinks, running around. Us. One of my favorite gifts of Lovecraft Country is seeing her coming down those steps and just pouring like the drink and going around to everybody and smiling because it's the happiness of what I've done for myself and the people around me. She made that house a safe haven for, you know, like natives in Chicago. So I'm like it's the it's for me, it's the character development of her building up this wall that, of her. But what you're talking about her and Tig, ah man, um, this contagious love for each other. Um the attraction they have is very intense and with them, you know, hooking up in the bathroom and then it's just like, you know, I think we all were like, yes, yes, yes. Cause when she was dancing on that guy before all that happened, you can tell that, that intense, that intense look between the both of them. You just like, oh man, like what are y'all going to do? What, what you going to do? She going to dance with them or are you just going to keep teasing them? Like what you going to do? Like, but to, to see them do that and then, what situation happens and you know I think we all know this is her first time and he's just like you know it's cool you know and I think that speaks on him and it speaks on her for the character that development of the relationship that they have so you know I love I, I for now I do like Teddy I mean not Teddy uh Tick and um and Letty together. Oh, Teddy, that's Tick, 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 and the, oh, Teddy. <laughs> I just thought about that. No, but no, I do like Tick and Letty together. I mean, I think they complement each other well. I think they support each other well. Um, but as the series goes on, I think that's going to just like <laughs> for me. But um, continuing with this house party, uh, Ruby spots a burning cross in the yard, and we see Letty go to. I want to say Phoenix Forest. Let me stop. Uh, <laughs> lady goes to the next Can level because she is sick of their shit. I mean, you can't keep poking the bear and think you're not going to get, you know, clawed or whatever. But at the same time, it's like they were already having a good time at this party. The music that Ruby's band is playing is drowning out this horn. And then now you set a cross on fire in my yard. Okay. It's time for, you know, some repercussions. So we see Letty go out. And I think this was my favorite scene for one because the powerfulness of the scene. But it was the song. Everything that the devil stole, you know, God is giving back to me. And I think it went hand in hand with her busting out these windows and bop. Hitting the dang on brick out, and it just went hand in hand because you're not about to steal my joy. You're not about to steal this house from me. You're not about to steal this neighborhood from me. Like, you're not about to do that. So I think, for me, it was just her elevating herself and showing that independence because you see the guys, they had the, you know, they had the guns and everything, but right. she took full control of that situation. Um, Kudos to whoever place that scene together with that music you did a wonderful job i just yeah, want to say because that 
I'm trying not to sing it, but that was my favorite part of that whole episode because I know well, I'm that with song. You on that. I know that I, song I'm totally from with you on that one. Church, and I think that like to hear that hand in hand with this show, I was just like, ah, <laughs> that is crazy. So, how was you feeling about that? Because that was oh, man. Very, that was very like, powerful. like I was saying earlier. It just that is just you know we've seen all the gifts we've seen you know everybody uses some capacity like it's just it really is iconic like if you know like maybe five years or even a year from now when you know we still talk about you know lovecraft country season one this is probably going to be in the top three you know most powerful scenes of what the show represents and it's like you know right afterwards what i i guess it's a love hate kind of relationship because you know i love the the introspection we get on it but it's like right after she takes charge compared to all of these other people who are very fearful of what's going on she puts the bat down she puts her hands over her head when mm-hmm. everybody else kneels on the ground and it's mm-hmm. like the reality of it is like you can have these you know big moments that we all want to see right you know where you know someone of color is you know taking charge of a you know, a very hostile situation, but right. the reality is she's going to go to jail. Yeah. We still in you that know, because they that damage a property. Right. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and what I think is that the most powerful is that the scene right after is like, after she does this, you know, this really courageous act and she's in custody, she still doesn't flinch. Still you know, doesn't because with these cops who are trying to get everything out of her. Mm-hmm. Like it just, that is, Misha, you know, and the writers and uh, Journey, obviously, like, like I said before, this is Liddy's episode for her to shine. This is the one that, you know, really solidifies what the series is going to be yes. moving forward. Yes, I, I was uh, I was a little upset because when they put their hand, I mean, I wasn't upset, but when they put their hands on their head, I knew what it was. And I was just like, you know, yeah. I don't want anything to happen to her, but Lord behold, when she gets in this back of this van, you know, it gets really real. And that big bad sheriff or whatever you want to call him is just antagonizing her in this van and, you know, well, in the back of this police car and just, you know, telling her, like, accusing her, like, do you, you know, how did you get the money for this house? And do you know what was in this house before? Because I mean, I guess we know we know his plans and everything, and we know what he's about and everything. Right. But it's just like the way he antagonized her, and then she, what he put her through by you know basically them swerving and swerving, and you know she's being beat up, and it's just like it just it's one of those harsh realities that really could have happened in you know that time frame, and to see that happen on the show, it's just like. She just had this big, powerful moment, and then now she's been taken down a notch. Right. Right. And I think, you know, getting into, like, the meat of the episode from this point on, you know, with just that we get the, you know, the big name dropping of the Book of Names. Mm-hmm. We get, you know, basically what the what the new plot is because, you know, like I've told you before, you know, off, off, uh, off recording, like, I think that this episode is the beginning of an entirely different, you know, tale that uh, Lovecraft Country is telling because it's like episode one and two, that that's its own little thing. Mm-hmm. And 
this is, you know, this could be considered the epilogue, but it's mm. also a new beginning exactly. because, you know, we have Christina, you know, walking around. We can definitely talk about her later, but, you know, she's walking around trying to figure out things. It's revealed, you know, she gave her money to, she gave Liddy money to get the house. But, you know, I think it also shows how, you know, disgusting and just slick, you know, and sly she is because she knew that there was an evil ghost Mm -hmm. in this household, you know, and it's like every, and obviously when she talks to the, um, to the sheriff and stuff, you know, they all know it's, it's like one big, you know, joke for them, but they still want to give Letty and these black people hell. And that just, you know, that speaks on, it's like this, you know, everyone's in on the joke except for the main characters. And, you know, that is what has been, you know, that's what's being set up from this point on. And we just, you know, we get a lot of a lot of different things. We can talk about in other episodes, you know, little little things. Yeah. Uh, it just this is this is one of those episodes that, you know, set off set us off on a new journey. Yeah. When you said it earlier about the whole, you know, this has been like an epilogue and I was just like and I, when I had sat down and I was thinking, about, I was like, you know what? This is almost like, you know, episode one and two was just like its own thing. But then it was like three was like an epilogue and then like a beginning of because we're getting deeper into the book of names. And I felt like, you know, because everybody has their little plots and everything like that. But it's just setting it up for more to come as each episode goes. So. I really felt I really resonated with you when you said that how this is a new beginning. Um, I do want to talk about the fact that, you know, after the whole situation with her, you know, going to jail and everything, she's come back. We get to know that it was eight ghosts in the house and there was an evil doctor and the way that this house is set up is haunted. Like you had the whole furnace situation in the first half of the episode, the whole her being haunted by a ghost where it pulls the sheets back in the mouth. It's just all bloody and everything. But for her to find out that, you know, that this doctor owned this house and he was doing these experiments on human subjects, you know, was the disappearance of these black South side residents that she found out about. So, you know, I felt like it was more of her researching about that house. And I felt like, you know, eh. um, in a sense, I mean, I feel like, you know, it was there to just give her more development on herself of that, the situation yeah. that she was going through and everything. So, yeah. And I think her, you know, kind of taking the initiative, uh, you know, once again, you know, taking the initiative to even go try to find someone to, you know, clear the, the bad energy of the household, right. you know, that just that's a testament of her. But see, and I also, I kind of want to go in just a little deeper mm-hmm. as I do every episode is that I kind of feel like what Misha and the writers were doing, you know, is something that a lot of, you know, in our communities, you know, we talk about, and that is, and it also goes into, I guess, you know, the last part of the episode, but it's that where, where um, religion is rooted, you know, for black people, mm-hmm. it really does come back to ancestral, you know, acknowledgement and, you know, prayer and stuff. And it's like, you know, Letty 
the only way she can basically fight off this evil spirit is she has to, you know, reach out to these black, you know, ghosts in the house, you know, who've all been brutally tortured. And, you know, that could easily be considered, you know, a metaphor for like, you know, having your ancestors have your back because, you know, this woman, you know, she what I think she, you know, sliced the goat's neck in order to, you know, start the process. She did. She sliced the goat's neck and then. Yeah, but so like that's you know that's house. African you know that's African spirituality right, right there, she, and it's just like this is you know this this goes deeper than you know what you know just a classic ghost story. But you know another thing I really like is that it's interpreted now that you know after you know rewatching it is the ghosts in the house they were trying to warn Letty they were trying to warn everyone in that house. You know, like even with the kids, you know, they were trying to tell them through the Ouija boy, like, hey, we're here, but do you really need to be here? You right. know, and it's just that that, you know, that whole, you know, it's all these little things that have been set up, you know, throughout this episode, like I was saying earlier, just we're leading, you know, we're getting seized to much bigger plot points because, um, you know, we can briefly talk about it. But like just kind of Christina, just kind of, you know, bobbing and weaving throughout the whole mm-hmm. story or this episode and then at the very end tick deciding you know like tick does to take some initiative and try to shoot the girl Child. and she's like she's like no you yeah, can't you know she's you like just stop him right you know that's you know that let you, and that let me know you know she's a very important you know villain you know i thought because i thought somehow bro you know like a a brother or her dad or you know some other spirit was going to show up that was going to challenge her mm-hmm. now she's flat out the villain you know at this point but right. you just want to hate the girl I, and it's I like because it you just, know it's i love amazing. a good witch and i feel like she is yeah. a good witch bad witch yeah, but I to the actress she is a really good actress i really hope she gets tapped to play um emma frost no shade um oh yeah she would be a good emma frost just throwing it out there um but when since we on that scene, like him tick, like he's on my nerves sometimes. But like you know, you go up to her and you know you proclaim what you want and what you're gonna do and da 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 Don't forget she knows spells and stuff like that. And the fact that she froze him up and you know, it was funny because she was like, "Whenever you're ready to know to learn about our family, you know, let me know. You give me a call." I'm just like, she playing with you, and it's the fact that she was like, and then she also said, like, you know, you can't kill a white woman in this town, like, right? She like a cat and mouse, like, just that's just crazy. But Christina, um, as you said, yes, yeah, she bobs in, she bobs and weaves out this episode because when she came to let it that first time, and she, oh. That was the next episode. I was about to go deeper. But, you know, she she bobs and weaves in and out of the episode. And I feel like just because she's just plotting on her plotting and planting seeds for what she has in store for her, her own self. I feel like she is. I don't want to say selfish, but she is selfish. I mean, she she has an end game. She has a goal that she's trying to reach. And if she got to plant seed in this person's head, that person had and that and third, she's going to do what she has to do. Um, but, yeah, when they got that voodoo priest and she put the, you know, she protected the house and everything, and we can go ahead and get into it with, that you know 
after a lady finding out about this doctor and finding out about these missing people and realizing that, you know, especially when she put that picture, to, when she put all the pictures together and then his head came up and right. basically trying to scare her out the house, she wasn't afraid. She said, okay, you know, let's go to the next. And that's why they bring the priest and everything like that. And, you know, to see her stand strong and basically rebuke <laughs> this man yeah. out of this house and you see these ghosts all around around her and everything and they're giving her the power to get him out and exercise him out of the house it was just a good feeling it was just more you can see when she's like you know speaking and praying and everything and you see the like the emotion and the drain coming from her, the power coming from her because she is putting her all and her soul into this because she wants this out because she wants to live com- comfortably in this house. So, you know, I think that was just more of her that like, this is a focus of her. This, I think she had a big jump in care's development on this episode because you see her at the yeah. beginning of the episode in the house and then go all the way down to the, I think it was like 15 minutes left in the episode when they're, you know, doing this exercise of getting him out. What tripped me out is when it jumped in tick. Now, that tripped me out because, you know, when it jumped in tick, it made me feel like, you know, I'm playing with your emotions because this is somebody that you care about. And, you know, most ghost stories or most exorcisms does that a demon will jump into or a ghost will jump into somebody that you care about or somebody that's close to you. So the fact that they did that and, you know, had somebody, you know, you know, had him jump into Tick and then now she got to pray this thing out of Tick and then you see all of them come up and everything. It was just that scene was very powerful. It really, really was. So. And I think for me, what makes it even more powerful was just the imagery of, you know, these black bodies, you know, coming together with her, you know, enjoying her in, you know, in the prayer, you know, to get this guy out of the house. But it's like, you know, you see how they were mutilated in one way or the other, you know, as their ghosts. But it's like the stronger they got with Letty and, you know, when they revealed, you know, the uh, the ghost, you know, the, you know, the race ghost basically, mm-hmm. you know, out of Tick's body and he was in the middle. It's like his spirit started deteriorating mm-hmm. while theirs was you know, restoring. Basically took, yeah. right. And that was just so powerful. Because and it's like, you know, the iconic get the F out my house. Like, right. come on. <laughs> it was, I, th- I think, ooh, I forgot, not saying I forgot, but what you saying that it was like, yeah. <laughs> He was deteriorating yeah. and they were restoring like because he took he took their bodies away from them. He took their mind, spirit, exactly. and soul away from them. So for them to get that back as they're casting them out and he's just disintegrating and deteriorating and they're getting back who they are. It was just amazing to see them be at peace at that time. So, you know, um, yeah, that was a lot. It was good, though. Yeah, it was, a great it was but I think I think now we need to talk about you know what it's kind of set up for future episodes is that you know this, this is the episode right after George's death mm-hmm. you know and it's like we get you know Hippolyta basically grieving mm-hmm. you know without you know without seeing her grieve you know we know she's grieving just by ripping pages out of the book you know getting frustrated with tick because the way he places the you know the coffee mugs and like this you know george's 
you know, very evidently gone from right. their life. And, you know, his daughter and his wife don't know what happened. And the idea that Montrose Letty and Tick all lied to her, you know, all lied to Ippolita about what really happened with her husband, you know, that just, that really speaks on their character and it speaks on, you know, what they're trying to hide. But, you know, Hippolyta obviously knows something's wrong and that speaks yeah. on her intelligence. And yeah. I think that just, you know, this uh, this is also the beginning of where we get to see Hippolyta at her finest. Yeah, I um, I can't wait because we, we go deeper into her and we get to get see more of her, you know, finding independence on her own with her grieving and everything with this situation. So we get to find her, you know, going through more and digging deeper into it. Um, but when it comes down to the other three being affected by this, especially um, Tick and Montrose, you know, this may because, you know, that's Montrose's brother. So and we know what we don't. I mean, I don't think at that time we knew what was said to him that day, but we do know that it gives more of a deeper, a deeper, weaker connection between Montrose and Tick because Tick looked at George as his father. So you know, it gives more of. Are you fine? It gives more of to you know their relationship and everything that they're going through. Uh, okay. Um, so like, what did I say? Um, let's see. How can I say this? Okay. So with George dying and everything like that and having, you know, tick and Montrose, their relationship and everything, it, evolves into this whole nother thing because Tick looked at Montrose as his dad. I mean, Tick looked at uh, George as his dad versus, you know, Montrose and George being brothers and everything. It just leaves a whole bunch of untoned stones. I was trying to find the right thing. Untoned stones between them because, you know, with Tick staying in Chicago and everything, will they be able to reconcile and get to the wound of what this father and son relationship was after them both losing somebody that is close to them and everything. Right. And I also, you know, kind of bringing this back to Hippolyta, I think it also speaks on how they're leaving her out of the entire conversation. Exactly. You know, it's like even in the face of straight up insanity you know that was his death it's like how can they basically try to protect her you know and she just wants to know the truth right and you know her base you know was kind of snooping in the in the uh, house during the house party you know that really showed that she you know she's still feeling some type of way about what's going on right and i just i love how even you know it's like tick tried you know, I, I think they said, a, you know, a couple months, you know, during that, like, Tick really tried to fill in that void that, you know, George left, but it's like he just can't. Right. And, you know, kind of going into what you were saying, it's like Tick really, you know, looking back, Tick wanted to be like George. Mm. 
you know, and he just can't. And, you know, arguably he may be a little bit like, like his father, you know, Montrose, and he may not like that, but it is what it is. But it's like, you know, just kind of seeing, you know, Tick suffer this identity crisis with the only, you know, man that he really did trust, you know, in his life, just, you know, gone from him and not being able to talk to, you know, his mother figure, uh-huh. you know, or even his sister, you know, basically his little sister. And, you know, that just, that really does show like Tick is isolating himself. Right. Just you know, from all these people, he's becoming his father. Right. Oh, Montrose, Montrose. I have a soft spot for Montrose, and we'll get into yeah. that later, but I have a small, a soft spot for him. Um, I'm trying to think. I, you said something that I wanted to touch. Oh, yes, Hippolyta searching in his house. When she mm-hmm. found what she found, I was kind of happy she found what she found because I felt like now we're going to get more deeper into her, you know, her love for the science and space and right. astronomy and stuff like that. So, you know, I was kind of glad she found that and then how it was revealed to her and everything like that. You know, I was really feeling that. So, you know, I'm happy that when we get deeper into what she's doing with that, you know, I'm happy because she's very, and a very intelligent woman. And I, I think, She's very strong. I'll say that for right now. She's a very strong character. Um, Let's talk about Letty and Ruby because the whole inherited situation is a situation that's going to put more because Ruby was upset about Letty getting money from this inheritance of her mom. And, you know, she was just like, wait, mom gave you, you get money from mom and you wouldn't even at the funeral. And I think that just goes plays in his hand in hand with them and their relationship. And it sucks because Letty wanted to have this house and wanted them to bond and rebuild this house and do this together. And I think because of that, it still has that tension with them. Because I guess with with Letty not showing up to their, their mother's funeral, it just gives more right. layers of to who they are as characters. And, you know, will this be able to will they be able to reconcile and come together later in the series? I, it, it sucks. But, you know, I just it just I love the fact that they are two different people and we get to see them you know, move in two different ways. So I'm super excited. I was super excited to see their character development have the tension, but also we get to see them be independent on their own two things. So yeah, shout out to episode five with Ruby. <laughs> yeah. That, oh gosh. Yeah. We're, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that talk. I just, I really do feel like, um, after like when I first watched, you know, that whole uh, back and forth between them go down, you know, a part of me was like, you know, Letty just offered, just offered a girl some money, you know, because that's obviously what she wants. But after rewatching it, I'm like, would that have even, you know, fixed their already rocky relationship? Because it obviously was not about the money. It was about, you know, Letty kind of, leaving Ruby out, you know, but, right. you know, basically that's how she pictured it. And I'm just like speaking on, you know, the testament of like their, you know, sisterhood, you know, or lack thereof. It's just, you know, we get, uh, we get a difference, not really a different side per se, but like we get to see more of why there's this, 
you know, really strong tension between these two. And it's, you know, I think Letty, you know, even admits she's a lot like her mother, you know, more so than Ruby. And a part of me is starting to think, and we're definitely going to get into that, you know, in episode five, but is Ruby, you know, is why is there animosity, so much animosity? Does it come down to colorism? Mm. Is it, because, you know, like we, we gonna, we gotta get into that, but you know, it's like, yeah. what kind of, what real issues, because the way she keeps throwing her, you know, mother's funeral in her face, just like her brother, it's, there's obviously something deeper, right. you know, that isn't being acknowledged. And I'm just, you know, Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, you know, I I have like I have a um, I I got a lot of questions. Right, I have a love. Not a love hate, but a love dislike for Ruby sometimes. Cause I'd be like, girl, why are you so mean? Like, but then as the story, as her character develops and as the story goes on, I understand. And I'm just like, you know, I get it. You know, right. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, real quick, Miss Christina, um, should we be celebrating the fact that she did help Letty or should we be nervous that she is using Letty and tick for her own designs? And that's, that is, uh, I think what, see, this has me conflicted. See, <laughs> this shows how great, you know, of an actress she was, but, it, and how great the writers are, but it's like, I really do have a love, a relation with Christina because mm-hmm. when I see her, you know, making moves, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I can respect that. You know, you can respect this, you know, white girl, you know, basically saying she doesn't need the men in her life. She mm-hmm. doesn't need, you know, all she needs is just to get the blood is black man, basically. And, She's good to go, but it's like she's really playing chess with these guys, and right. you can't be mad at her because okay. she's it's very knowledgeable of you know the you know the magic arts. She's but it's just chess. like like she's really ugh, playing the game of chess. Like she she's very strategic. She's very like I said, she plants seeds in waters. Like she takes the she's watering. Like she. She does that the whole entire series. I'm sorry, but she does that the whole entire series. She plants seeds and she continues to water them. And I think what makes her such a strong, pivotal villain or whatever she is, is that because she, like you said, she doesn't care. She doesn't need, she not saying that she doesn't need anybody, but she doesn't need anybody to really to do what she wants to do. She plants her seed yeah. and she continues to do what she has to do for herself. I hate to say it, but she is selfish, but she, you know, she's just thinking about herself. And, you know, it is what it is when it comes down to Christina. I do say, as it gets more into it, I love, 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 love Christina. Like, I really do. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm really interested, you know, just in seeing, like, from episode one where she was, you know, just like, who is this girl mm-hmm. to now you just, you know, you're starting to see she's a lot worse than her father. Right. You know, and that she's not just going to outright start, you know, killing people or doing this and that. And the third, she's actually plotting and scheming and making plans. And she's, you know, if the sheriff's in her way, who you know, it's also into the, you know, cult knowledge, you know, she's just like, I will take it in stride, but I'm going to keep on moving. Right. And that's, what you know, and doing. I just, I was, this, I think this was the episode where she was playing with the kids too. Um, no, that's the episode. 
Oh, well, never mind. We're going to go because we can talk about that. Yeah. But, you know, just, she's very um, she's a cat and mouse. Like she plays yeah. cat and mouse. Like at the end of the day, like she 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 has an agenda. She's going yeah. by her checklist and she's getting the things done that she needs to do for herself. So I think that's just what when it comes down to it, you know, I just like is she good like because, I mean, for a minute, I was like, is she good or is she bad? And then we right. bringing up the topic, did, should she have helped Letty? And, like, but she's using people at the end of the day. She really is. So, you know. Right. Um, I guess we can do some closing remarks because, I mean, that was this episode. I will say this episode was really focused on Letty and her. I mean, the biggest things was what Lay went through. I think it was the whole situation with buying the house and, you know, the inheritance of the money and then having that more tension with her sister. Then, you know, yeah. the housewoman party and then they're still the, uh, the neighbors are still trying to get them out. And, you know, with the burning cross and everything, she has that powerful moment, busting them out. She goes to jail and everything. Then you come back. You got to get these demons out your house. Got to get these demons out your house. So I, this episode was really solely focused on her. And I appreciate yeah. that because she, from the last episode, like I said, with her dying in the last episode and then being brought back, this episode was like a re- resurrection and a rebirth for her. You can tell she had a new spirit and a new found, you know, a new drive for what she wanted to do for herself and the people around her. Um, So, yeah. That was my take yeah, on the, I, this whole episode. Yeah, I just, I love it. You know, that, like I was saying before, I really like how this is kind of a new start to, you know, whatever narrative is going to be told for the rest of the season. You know, we get to just, we get immersed in this world. You know, we actually get some time as opposed to episode one. We get some time with, you know, the neighborhood and all these characters and right. we get to know them a little more. We get to see, you know, even deeper what's going on with Ruby and Letty and, you know, even a little bit of tick. And even though George isn't there, you know, we have, you know, Hippolyta, you know, to start looking at like, it's a, it's a lot in this episode, you know, that just, you know, I really do appreciate. Right. And even then this is, you know, kind of considered the episode that really focuses on, you know, the black women, mm-hmm. you know, and how important they you know, how important of a role that they're going to be playing, you know, throughout the series. And it just, it's really smart and well-directed. And I will say, you know, we're going to get into it. I'm, I'm sure in a different, you know, bonus episode or something, the Ouija board scene where, you know, the character Bobo is asking, is he going to have a good time in Mississippi? Oh, and he's yeah. told, no. like, yeah. You know, it's that it's deep. little things like, like that. Yeah, that was like when it comes down to the writers and how they do this show and they plant little stuff like that that comes back basically to haunt us in future episodes. Right. Like that that was a like not saying that it's because it's not an Easter egg. I mean, it's just a little seed for the future of the right. show. So, you know, that what you saying that that hurts. Like because I yeah. when that happened, I was just like, ah, Okay, I get right. It. Um, right. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, it's a great episode. I want to do a little shout out real quick to one of our brothers. Um, he's been really supporting us with Two Lovecraft and Bat. And I just want to give him a little shout out. Um, this is our brother Q. 
Um, yes, you can sir. find him on Twitter at Star G. He has a YouTube channel where he does um, stream his video games that he plays. And um, he also has another little thing where he talks about wrestling with another friend of ours, Key. But I just wanted to give him a personal shout out because um, since we started to Lovecraft and back, he's really been, you know, behind us and you know talking to us and you know giving us feedback and also just being there to support us so i do want to just give him a big you know shout out um because he's have he has shouted us out he also has another um a little live stream on facebook with his brother it is at into the universe um we will put the description in this page and we will also tweet this out when this episode drops but um, we just want to say thank you, Q, because you've really been one of our biggest supporters, and we just want to say thank you for everything that you have been doing. You shouted us out on like your last two episodes, and with us taking our little break, we want to just say thank you for what you did, and we appreciate yes, your support. So everybody, go check out our bro Q at his page. Like I said, we will drop the links on our Twitter page, and yes, give him a little shout out and everything. And I was proud of him because um, with him doing, you know, his game footage and everything, he did that reaction of no more heroes. And he had that peak of having 100 views and he was just very, very excited. And I, I, I think that is one of my favorite reaction videos because it caught him off guard when it happened because he was watching the Nintendo Direct thing and it caught him off guard when the no heroes happens. And it was just his. It was his real natural expression about something that he has a passion for and something that he loves to play. His expression, and it was like the gas that it has. It's like that's what that's the content that I like to see. I like to see that natural experience of things. So uh I'm glad he had that many views on that video because it was real. Like his reaction was real to him seeing that this game is coming out and that, you know. It is about to have a new run and everything. But shout out to Q. We love you, bro. Yeah. And, you know, thank Always. you for the support. And we'll be here to support you as well. Do you have anything Always. else for us, Mr. Aaron, before we sign off? Oh, no, Mr. Mike. I think we got everything under control. Yes. And we said what we need to say. Yes, sir, we did. Thank you for listening to Lovecraft and back. And we will catch you on the next episode. Y'all have a good night. Always. Always.